0: It is Sunday, July 5th, 2015. This is U62 The Targ. Let's do it!
1: As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears. Right about now.
0: Why, what a little tiny microchip chip inside say some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet, ladies and gentlemen, this is U62, the TARG. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Happen. On this week's show, we're rambling about Star Wars, the Raccoons reboot, and reminiscing about Augustana. It's episode 8.13, Dog Days of Summer. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer in a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 The Targ, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen, Mark Cap is here. Welcome to this week's episode of The Targ. And I'm at a loss for words. Really, not much to talk about on this week's episode. You know, when it comes to movie news and big announcements about the superhero movies and all that, there's really no news to report. Everyone's kind of in a holding pattern because they're waiting to see what big announcements are going to come from the San Diego Comic-Con, which is in two weeks, I believe. It's coming up real quick here. So yeah, everyone's just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen in San Diego. The big news, of course, Marvel is not doing a panel this year. And who can blame them? You know, last year they announced all of their films until the end of the decade, and they'd only just started filming them, so they probably don't have much to show or much to talk about. Instead, because it's all Disney, they are doing for the first time ever a Star Wars panel at the San Diego Comic-Con. So the big question is, what's going to be on the Star Wars panel? What kind of new footage are we going to see from The Force Awakens or maybe the spin-off film Rogue One? We're going to have to wait a couple weeks to find out. I guess uh, the big news that happened in the Star Wars world is they announced this thing called Shattered Empire. See, when Disney bought Star Wars a few years ago, uh, one of the first things they did uh, was they took all the paperback novels, the comic books, all that expanded universe stuff, and they said, This is no longer canon! So, of course, a lot of fanboys were upset, but, you know, it makes sense because a lot of that takes place after Return of the Jedi, and that's where the new movies are going to be taking place, so got to get rid of that before it starts contradicting what the new movies are going to be talking about. So, to kind of replace all that expanded universe stuff, uh, Disney, Lucasfilm, Star Wars has announced this thing called The Road to The Force Awakens, which is going to be their official canon explanation for what happened between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. The first thing is coming out within the next few weeks. It's a comic book miniseries called Shattered Empire. See, after Return of the Jedi, you know, they defeat Emperor Palpatine and everybody's like, yay, the Empire's defeated, the Rebellion won. But lots of logical people went, Wait a minute, just because you off the Emperor doesn't mean the Empire's still around. If anything, you've created a power vacuum within the Empire now, and there's a whole bunch of generals and moffs and everything going to be jockeying to take charge of the Empire. And that's what Shattered Empire is all about. Essentially, a civil war breaks out within the Empire to try and figure out who's in charge now, and the Rebellion tries to become the one legitimate ruling factor, and... Yeah, that's what that's going to be. But you know, like most things, I'm probably going to skip the expanded universe altogether. I remember when uh, episode one came out back in the day, you know, lots of my friends got obsessed with the expanded universe. They read every comic book and paperback novel that came out. They were telling me tales about folks like Aura Singh. And I'm like, who's Aura Singh? And they're like, okay, remember that bald woman where you see the back of her head for like two seconds during the pod race? That's Aura Singh and she became a superstar in the expanded universe. So, yeah, I'm really not eager to discover who the next Aura Sing is going to be. I'm just going to kick back and wait for the movie. You're yeah. listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62, The Tar. Meanwhile, looking at Canadian movie and television news, the internet lit up on Friday. A legendary Canadian animator Kevin Gillis has announced he's going to reboot his most famous creation the raccoons yeah he was saying that uh, raccoons was huge overseas and he's starting to get a lot of interest from overseas producers about some kind of raccoons revival and he's like yeah i like money i can get on board with that Ah, but the raccoons, one of those quintessentially Canadian things. Apparently, he insisted that all the animation be done in Canada. The raccoons' first season alone cost $24 million. That's what I learned from reading about these articles. And because Gillis himself, he owns the franchise and everything, he still has half a million original animation cells from the raccoons in storage. Those are some hot collectibles for eBay right there. He says he hasn't figured out yet what form a Raccoon's reboot should take. Should it be a TV series? Should it be like a web series with like five-minute shorts? He said he can do it all digitally for a lot cheaper now. What form will a Raccoon's reboot take? He said in his interview that it'll most likely be all about our uh, characters, you know, Bert, Melissa, and all them when they were in high school and first meeting each other. Yay, a prequel. You know, it's just, no, no. Just, you know, pick up where we left off. Just have all our familiar characters having more awesome adventures in the evergreen forest again. You don't have to do a reboot or do some new spin on it. It was fine just as it was. But my big question is, who are they going to get to cover the theme song, Run With Us? I mean, it has one of the most quintessentially 1980s soundtracks. How are you going to update that soundtrack? That's what I want to know. But it looks like we're going to be getting more raccoons and I can say. What took so long? You're listening to Mark Kappas. Go do disgusting things to that boy. On U62. Of course, in this day and age, whenever I check my mailbox, there's not much in the mail, you know, just bills and maybe something I bought online. But I did get the Augustana Alumni Magazine the other day, leafing through that, reading that while in the bathroom, you know, reminiscing about the good old days. You know, when I was up in Athabasca, I actually got to do a news story about Augustana. It turned out uh, the choir got in trouble with the law up in Athabasca. Okay, I'm being very selective, so here's the story. Way back when I was a news hound up in Athabasca, the Augustana Choir came to town. See, Athabasca has the largest church in Alberta. Well, I should throw in all the qualifiers. Athabasca has the largest wooden church in a gothic architectural style in northern Alberta. It's over 100 years old, and because it is so big and so old, it has some incredibly good acoustics. Back when Athabasca still had a Fringe Festival, they actually used the church as one of the venues. Anyways, because it's very awesome history and acoustics, the Augustana Choir was recording a new album, and they were recording a few tracks in the church in Athabasca. So how did they get in trouble with the law? Well, there they are, this being small-town Alberta. There's tons of pickup trucks tearing up and down the street with their exhaust pipes that make them sound like motorcycles. So, no, there's the choir in the church. They're singing their song. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. (laughs) Needless to say, that would ruin the take, and they'd have to start all over. So that happened enough times that they finally set someone outside to flag down traffic and be like, hey, we're recording an album in here. Could you, you know, not rev your engines and get your exhaust going like that? So they were doing that for a bit. Then finally, the police came by. Excuse me, young man. What are you doing? Obstructing traffic. They explained to the police officer what was going on. And the cop was like, oh. Okay, and so then rather having the guys out there flagging down traffic, telling them to slow down so they could record their album, the police officer just parked out front for an hour or so, and yeah, people slowed down when they came up the hill and saw that police car parked there. And so I got to do a little news story about that, and of course reminiscing about Augustana, I always go back to CLCR, their college radio station, which of course, where I got bitten by the radio bug and got into this radio for my industry. Uh, Sadly, Augustana doesn't have their student radio station anymore. They shut it down in about 2003, I think. Lack of student interest. No one was volunteering to be an announcer anymore, and so they just finally had to pull the plug, and that's a shame. I will admit, uh, one of my idle daydreams is I hope that someday they resurrect CLCR and they hire me to come down and run it. That's a frequent daydream of mine. Yeah, you know, I'm still kind of bitter because the way they ran CLCR back in the day, the program director, they ran it just like editor of the school paper. You'd submit an application to the students' union, and if they hired you, boom, boom. You got to do it. I applied twice and got turned down twice. The second time was where things were kind of bitter because I'd kind of established myself as the kingpin of the radio station at the time. So people were like, dude, you were screwed. But I still did my show, had my fun. And oh, I would really love to go back and do it now. Now that I've got coming up on 10 years of professional radio experience. I know how to run a radio station. You know, every program director who beat me for the PD gig at CLCR, they always had the same idea. Oh, I'm going to get us our broadcast license and we're going to go on the air. Well, now that I've been in the real world for 10 years, I can tell you, no, no, you're not. Getting a broadcast license is not going down to the Fish and Wildlife Office to get your fishing license. you got to get a broadcast license. This is an application process to the federal government that literally takes years. There's no way someone is going to do it in a semester. Besides... How are you what what's your license gonna be? You know, looking at other college stations like CJSR down in Edmonton, they are licensed as a community station, which means it is completely volunteer run, but still they hire a professional, such as myself, to be the program director, and that is how you'd have to do things if you ever got your broadcast license for CLCR and Augustana resurrected their radio station. But then again, in this day and age, why would you bother going through all that? For a student radio station. Streaming audio has become so easy to do. NR92. Nate's college radio station, the second college station I volunteered for. They are all on streaming radio, and that's the attitude of the faculty and their budget. We don't have to go on the air because streaming radio takes care of everything nicely. So you could be streaming online. You could have announcers swear every once in a while. You won't get in trouble by the CRTC. I'm not sure how things like SoCan reports work with streaming radio, though. So we would have to figure that out for music royalties and stuff like that. And of course the the big question with CLCR back in the day was how do people listen to it? That's why there was the rush to get on air. But in this day and age with streaming audio, you know how to listen to it. You go to the website, you bring up the app, boom, that's how you listen to it. Ah, So, yeah, as you can see, this is quite the recurring daydream. So I have this huge master plan in my brain as to how to bring back CLCR someday. Ah, good times, good times. I still listen to a lot of college radio. I see college radio being to what I do for a living. It's like I'm a pro athlete and the guys in college radio, that's the minor leagues. You know, they're still doing it for the love of the game. That's listen to college radio, support your local college radio station. That's what I want you to take away from this ramble. Everything's better with Mark Tappas. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. Mark on U62, the TAR. Let's get to the song of the show, shall we? Last Friday, July 3rd, that was the official 30th anniversary of Back to the Future. I was wondering why I wasn't seeing a lot of you know, celebratory stuff online, but then I read an interview with Bob Gale, the co-writer and producer of the franchise. He's like, yeah, we're saving all the 30th anniversary celebrations for October because October 2015 is the future that Marty visited in part two. So you're going to see lots of cool Back to the Future stuff in October. So until then, July 3rd, I had to celebrate my own private special way. I watched it again on Blu-ray, and of course with Back to the Future fresh in my mind, there's only one song I can play today. the news power of love the theme from back to the future here on u62 the dark back to the future is now 30 years old i love that movie i've seen it so many times it's just ah even watching it again last night on blu-ray i was still laughing because it is still awesome after all these years just uh watch back to the future guys it is still such a great movie Film schools actually use it as a textbook example as to how to set stuff, up, how to set stuff up, and how to have it pay off later in the film. It's just brilliant. And according to the uh, director, you know, they came up with that just by working backwards. Oh, we're going to have this huge skateboard chase in the middle of the film. Well, we'd better establish in the beginning that he knows how to ride a skateboard, and it's stuff like that. Uh, Back to the Future. So much love and care went into that film. It's just, ah, I love it. I love it so much. And that's one film where we know there's never gonna be a remake. I was reading an interview with the director Robert Zemeckis about all these uh sequels and reboots that are going on right now, and he said, no, there is never gonna be a remake of Back to the Future. You know why? He actually had it. Put in his contract 30 years ago that there can be no remakes of Back to the Future without his approval. And as long as that's still there, he is saying no to every Back to the Future remake. Boom. So we know that's not going to happen anytime soon. <sighs> but if you'll excuse me, it's time to go wallow in misery for a while. Yeah, I'm looking at the calendar. I'm uh, Part of the reason why I've got nothing to talk about is I'm going through my usual seasonal depression. For, of course, this is going online on July 5th. Tuesday, July 7th is my birthday. I always get kind of depressed around my birthday because, well, you know, I'm older. And it's just, I start wondering, you know, why am I alone on my birthday? I start going through that a lot, you know. I got to be lucky, you know, my parents, they really aren't the kind, you know, they're like, ooh, you got to get married, you got to get married, got to find someone, settle down. Well, the only one who kind of gives me that kind of pressure is my aunt, uh, the one who visited from Phoenix that I was telling you about on last week's show. She is the only one who kind of gives me that pressure. And, you know, like I told her on the last visit, you know, dating is really difficult when you don't like socializing in general. I know some of you are saying, well then, why not try online dating, you know? When it comes to online dating, you know, I can't get through filling out the forms and questionnaires, you know? It feels too much like filling out a job application. Then, you know, talking about job application, you start feeling kind of sleazy in your brain. You're like, got any openings I can fill? And besides, you know, there's too much incidents like, uh, you know, my friend was telling me a few years ago he got out of a long-term relationship and so he tried some online dating to get his toe back in the game and so there he was he was chatting with this woman online that he met through the dating website and after they'd been chatting for about 10 minutes she says to him wow you're really different than all the guys on uh, this online dating site oh how so well we've been chatting for 10 minutes and you haven't sent me a dick pic yet Do you want one? So yeah, let's be honest, online dating still has a certain reputation to it, so. And besides, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, why? You know, when it comes about being in a relationship and stuff like that, all I can really think about are the practical reasons, you know? Like, hey, someone to split the rent with. Or, hey, my car's in the shop. Here's someone who can give me a ride to work. Or, hey, I'm not going to die alone, you know? Only the practical stuff like that. You know, the romance and all that's just like, meh, whatever. But, hey, I want to split the rent with me? That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm going to die alone. I've come to terms with that. I've accepted that. Happy birthday to me. And I think I'll end things on that very depressing note. I'm Mark Cappas. This has been The Targ. I'll see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production.
1: Yeah.